0: Tonight. Take your Bibles, Matthew chapter 5. I appreciate the good singing this evening. Thank you, uh, family and group, for ministering to our hearts tonight and uh, uh, bringing us into the praises of the Lord. And uh, thank the Lord tonight. He's been good to me. Amen. Word of exhortation or encouragement. Uh, that you may appreciate brother Aaron Wilson poloed me this morning we just got back I just got back from my tenth trip to Albania um, several of you have been over there with me several more will go in the years to come uh, we have uh, broadened our uh, vision and horizon there and, and my trips and I have gone to many different places and uh, one of the places that I've uh, been to when Brother Aaron proposed to me this trip he wanted to take to visit seven cities. I said, well, I'll do it if you'll, if you'll add one more to it. I want to go to Pogradets, and I want to carry some preachers over there. I want to have prayer there. He said, all right. So we went to eight cities. He poloed me this morning. He said, I came back with those eight cities in my heart. He said, I asked God, what do you want us to do? And A few years ago, they bought a gospel tent and some chairs and an outdoor tent. Put up, and he said God put pogradets on my heart. He said in the month of June 2024, he said we're gonna put a tent up there for a month. In the morning we'll have prayer, in the afternoons we'll have Bible classes and at night we'll have church. And he said out of that trip, he said in God putting it in your heart, you having a burden, he said God gave me a burden. And so many of you have been there to that city. Dallas, you, you went there with me on a trip a few years ago and uh, others here have uh, in recent days, and so I I thought that was a blessing. Uh, The Lord uh, is still moving. Ain't you glad for that tonight? The Lord is using what you're a part of. He's blessing what we're a part of, and I'm grateful to him for that tonight. Matthew chapter seven, you want to stand for a moment? We'll read one verse, Matthew seven, Verse number seven, Matthew 7, seven. We'll read it, we'll pray, you can be seated. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I don't know what all that means, but I, I like the way it sounds. How about you? you so well, how do you not know? I don't know what all any of it is. You don't either. It'll take, it'll take eternity for the Lord to reveal all of the great divine truths of his word. But what I do get, what I do understand, I sure am glad about tonight. Blessed are—I I mean, just that first word thrills my soul. Is anybody glad tonight that you're living in the blessings of God? Blessed are—I even like that. It connects me. It's a connecting word. It connects one word to another word. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad. I'm connected to some. That's not anything I come to preach, just thought of that, but I even like the connecting words. Blessed are the poor, I'm sorry, we're on the wrong verse. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Sounds good to me. We'll pray, you help me pray. Lord, we love you tonight, we thank you. Thank you for your word. God, the powerful, quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God, Lord, would you pierce uh, into the depths of our hearts tonight, speak to us in Christ's precious name, amen. You can be seated tonight. Uh, I am going to take my time, not uh, on the clock schedule-wise, but in my presentation of this thought, Uh, If I preached all of it tonight, I'd preach it to death. Uh, And so I've already made my mind up. I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna split it at least in half and maybe even in in a third and give a third of it to you tonight uh, so you can get it and I don't preach it to death. I'm liable to nearly do that by preaching just half of what I wanna give you. Uh, So it might be just that we give you a third tonight. If If you'll follow along with me Uh, If you take notes, it would be a good night to do that. Uh, If you follow along with me, I'll do the best that I can uh, to present this truth to you uh, in this seventh verse of Matthew chapter uh, number five. I think I said uh, chapter seven a minute ago, didn't I? Uh, Matthew chapter five, if you're in chapter seven, you're in the wrong chapter. Uh, We'll get there, but we're nowhere near there yet. That's where we're headed. Uh, We're headed to close out the Lord's Sermon on the Mountain, chapter 7. Some of you had a little victory lap in your heart. You thought we we were there. We're not there. We're in chapter 5. Verse 7, I I have preached the same outline for each one of these Beatitudes. Uh, The paradox of each one, uh, the progression of each one, and then the promise of each one. Lord willing, Sunday or maybe uh, the next week, I'll I'll get to uh, that part of the outline. But tonight, really, I, I want to uh, just give you, I guess, maybe some studies on the uh, on the word mercy, some uh, Bible uh, illustrations, and, and, and define some things. And I guess it may be just a little bit of, groundwork to lead up to uh, the, the, the outline that we've given uh, up to this point. Uh, there are, uh, and I want you to see this tonight, uh, there are eight, uh, some folks say nine, probably eight of these. Uh, I think probably the last uh, would be uh, verse number, uh, verse number uh, 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 10 and 11 probably are the same. Uh, maybe some distinctions, we'll look there when we get there. Probably the same. Uh, the first four are inward principles. Uh, they are matters of your heart and they are inward principles. We'll read them together. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That is an inward principle. That is an inward work of salvation. Uh, it is a fruit of of being born again. I promise you tonight, I've said it before, I'll say it again, if you're saved, you might not always act poor in spirit, but there's poor in spirit in you. If you're saved, it is a character, it's like the fruit of the spirit. There's nine fruit of the spirit, you don't get one and not the other. If you're again, the spirit of God lives in you, you have all of them or you have none of them. Uh, and they that have not the spirit, are none of his and if you have the spirit of christ the spirit of god living within you then you have the fruit that accompanies his spirit tonight uh, so so the first blessed are they that are poor in spirit there is the inward principle uh, to that statement then the next blessed are they that mourn there's the inward principle that is an inward work That produces a contrite spirit when we come face to face with our sin and realize it was my sin that placed him on the cross. It was for me that he bled and died. It was my sin and had there been no other sinner, had there been no one else, I have sinned enough to put Christ on the cross of Calvary. It was my sin, it was not just their sin or his sin or her sin or, or, or someone else's sin but it was my sin, I am a sinner. Uh, you're not born wanting to admit that. You say, how do you know? Because we uh, run a Christian school that all of our children go to and every one of them, it is a great revelation. We were talking about it today Uh, Cherith was talking about some of her kindergartners and some of the young kids uh, and some of them that were in her class but are not anymore. She was talking to my wife and she said, it's amazing uh, trying to convince them uh, that they are a sinner. You said, don't tell my child they're a sinner. Your child needs to know they're a sinner because if they don't know they're a sinner, they can't get saved. And you'd be surprised how quick a five-year-old will argue with you about how they've never sinned and they're not a sinner and they don't need a savior at this point in time in their life. Uh, But the truth of the matter is, is they are a sinner. They need a savior and I'll need a good amen right here. There's a great savior that'll save a five-year-old or a 50-year-old if they'll come to him. That mourning business is an inward principle that takes place in the heart of someone uh, who recognizes that they are a sinner. Uh, And then the next one, blessed are the meek. Uh, That is that submitted to the will of God. I'm not fighting my own battles anymore. I'm submitted to the will of God. I am surrendered uh, to the will of God Blessed are the meek, it's a heart matter, it's an inward principle that comes from the new birth. I'll say this tonight, apart from the new birth, apart from being born again, there's no meekness that your flesh can come up with. It is me, myself and I all the time, apart from the the great savior that saved me, that is the cry of my flesh and your flesh, me first, me first, me first. You know that's in you tonight as well. I want to win. I want to be right. I want to be number one. I want it to be about me. I want me to come out first. And if you come out second, praise God, I'll rejoice with you as long as I'm first. That is a that is a fleshly attribute, but it's not a spiritual attribute. It's not a Christian attribute. And long- that is being born again, and when you're born again, submitted to the will of God, then you realize I'm not number one. Jesus is, and He takes the rightful place of number one in your life. Do you see that, women? It's an inward, uh, inward principle. Uh, this third one: Blessed are the meek. and then the fourth one: Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. It is not that you're physically hungry and physically thirsty. It is an inward principle. It is a matter of The heart. It is the heart wanting God more than anything. And I preached it the last two weeks. It is the heart saying, I've had all of me I can handle. I've had all of sin that I can handle. I want God. I like hanging out with people who want God. How about you? I like being around people who say, Preacher, I've had enough of my sin. I've had enough of its consequences and its effects. I need God. I need the Lord. I need God. And it's not just a slogan that they are slinging, but it is a a lie that they are living, their heart is crying out from the inside, I want God in my home. I want God in my life. I need God. I want his will, his way today and tomorrow in my life. Blessed are they. Those are four inward principles. These next four are uh, outward practices. The first four, bring about the following four. The first four bring to life the next four that come along. Uh, and, 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 I, and I told you I was gonna have to take my time and, and do this slowly so uh, I, you'll imagine with me tonight that there's a chalkboard up here or a dry erase board and I'm gonna write this down and I'm just gonna have to make hand motions and because I didn't bring any of that with me tonight. But we do have our Bible and so you can look at that. Uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit. It is interesting to me uh, that when we look at these four inward and then the four outward practices that follow them, that the first one uh, is in direct connection with the, with the fifth one. And the second one is in direct connection with uh, the sixth. And the eighth is in direct, uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, what was the, the third is in direct connection with the seventh. And the fourth is in direct connection with the eighth. Let's, let's read them. Uh, the, the, the inward matter of the heart, the inward principle, number one, verse three, blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, you remember it? Uh, it is a, uh, a bankrupt, it is a beggar. The word for poor used there was that of a beggar who covers his face and said, God, don't look on me, I'm a beggar. I can't save myself, I can't help myself, I need you uh, and I need you only. I am empty and I need, that's how a sinner gets saved. You gotta come to the end of yourself. And it, if you look at it directly across from the fifth one, the, what's the fifth one? We're gonna look at it tonight. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's that crowd who got in in mercy. That's that crowd who've experienced mercy. They come to the end of themselves like a baby, like a beggar, like a bankrupt person, said I'm not, I can't, I don't know how. and, And they receive mercy and because they've received it, It becomes a part of their life and they know how to give it. I tell you tonight, the most merciful people that I know are people who have lived and know something about the mercy of God. Uh, The second one. Blessed are they that mourn. All right, look at it in connection with the next. uh, with With the fifth one. Blessed are the poor... are, are the pure in heart. Blessed are they that mourn, that is the second inward principle. Blessed are the pure in heart, that's the second outward principle. And they go hand in hand. If you ever get to mourning over your sin, it'll make you want your heart to be right and clean before God. Y'all gonna have to hear me now. I I, I got half of you with me and half of you is off somewhere else. This ain't gonna help you if you don't get it. Blessed are the, blessed are uh, the, what was the second one? Give it to me. Blessed are they that mourn, uh, Directly across the second principle under the under the outward principle or the outward practice is blessed are the pure in heart. The best way to get your life clean before God is to get upset over your sin and let God get it out of your life. And if God ever gets it out of your life, I don't want it to be back in my life. What's the third one? Let me see your Bible. Let me give you the third one tonight. The third, uh, blessed are the meek. Those that are humble, those that are uh, bowed down, submitted to the will of God. Verse number nine: Blessed are the peacemakers. The inward principle is meekness. The outward practice is a peacemaker. If you're submitted to the will of God, uh, if you're submitted and surrendered to God's will in your life, then it is. It is just. I mean, it's. It, it, it's almost. Uh, it's. It's almost without question. Uh, That God will, in your outward performance, make you a peacemaker if you're... Uh, Here's a verse for you. Uh, Only by pride cometh contention. You know why people aren't peacemakers? They're not submitted to the will of God. You let God get control of your life and you'll be on the the inside, uh, you'll be meek. On the outside, you'll be a peacemaker. Do you see how these go together? Pretty good study, at least, if you're interested in studying the word of God. Uh, Here's the the fourth one. Uh, We we looked at it last week. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now look at the eighth. Look at the eighth. Uh, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. The inward principle is, is we're hungering and thirsting after righteousness. The outward practice uh, is uh, that they're persecuted for righteousness' sake. Now I tell you, I don't, I'm not interested in being persecuted tonight, but about the only folks that I've ever run into that could handle it were those that were real hungry to be right with God. Those who were real hungry to be in the will of God. Those who wanted his righteousness more than they wanted their popularity. Those who wanted to go against the grain, if that's where God was, then those who wanted to swim with everyone else because that's what everyone else was doing. And they go hand in hand. The inward principle and the outward performance. I guess I could say it to you like this. If the Holy Ghost ever moves in might in your heart and saves us on the inside, it'll show forth on the outside. That inward principle will be so big that it will show forth in outward practices. I, I, I'm not the judge of who's saved and who's not. And I know tonight all of us fall short of the glory of God. I know tonight all of us have need for improvement. But if if this crowd wants to talk everybody into believing how religious they are and there's no outward practice in their life, there is is no not one of these attributes. uh, it It would cause me to be fearful of my standing before God. I can look at every one of these and see I have need for improvement. I can look at every one of these and see I have need for God to work in my life that I'd be better in these areas. But thank God, and I, this ain't boastful, except boasting in the Lord Jesus. I can look at every one of them and say, but thank God I can see that in my life in the person of and the work of the Lord Jesus that he did in my heart when he saved me. Ah, uh, these Go hand in hand. Now, uh, let's just look at one tonight. Uh, if, you, if you're still with me and got time for y'all good? Let's look tonight at one uh, thought. Uh, I, I, I want to give you an outline. I'll give it to you. I won't preach it all. I, I, want, I want you to see the scriptural definition of Mercy. I want to give you the source of mercy and I want to give you the showing of mercy, what it looks like in our lives because if if, if the blessing is blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy, I need to know what that is and so I need a scriptural definition of mercy. What does mercy look like in the word of God Uh, and and so that's what I want to do tonight for just a little bit. Uh, There are two... Uh, groups of people that are uh, within Jesus' hearing. Uh, There are the religious Jews and there are the Romans. Uh, Rome ruled Israel and so Rome uh, was affected by what Israel was doing. Israel was affected by what Rome was doing uh, and really, uh, most of this crowd was going to fall under one or the other. Most of them were Jews, uh, but they were influenced by Rome. They were ruled by Rome. And when Jesus makes this statement, blessed are the merciful, uh, how they perceived that was probably about like this generation would perceive that. They had a preconceived notion of what mercy looked like. Uh, And it was not a virtue uh, to be desired to the uh, the Jews. Uh, If uh, mercy was a virtue, uh, it was one of the smallest of virtues. Uh, It was to be treated uh, kinda like love. Uh, I'll love you if you love me back. Or I'll love you uh, if you love me first. Uh, If you don't love me, there's no reason for me to waste my time trying to love you. That would have been there the Jews mindset and it would have been the same in mercy. I'll give you mercy if you give me mercy but if you got no mercy for me, I've got no mercy for you and and that's about the way people look at it today. You've been merciful to me, I'm going to be merciful to you but you're not merciful to me, don't expect any mercy out of me and and that's kind of the way people view it and that's how some of us view it sitting in here tonight. Uh, Mercy and and love kind of go hand in hand there. I'll give it to you if you'll give it to me, but if not, don't expect it out of me. Uh, That's how the Jews uh, would have uh, viewed that. Uh, It was a small, insignificant virtue. Uh, Jesus uh, Jesus, uh, dealt with that in Matthew chapter five and verse number 43. Uh, In this matter of love, he dealt with it And and in doing so, he really dealt with the uh, the mercy, people viewing mercy that way as well. Matthew 5, verse 43, you have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. You love the people who's loving you, and you hate the people who's hating you. He said, that's what you've heard. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully, use you, and persecute you. Uh, you, you, He said, y'all love people that love you, uh, but I'm telling you, love people that don't love you. Don't you reckon that same principle would blow their mindset out of the water? You're merciful to people that are merciful to you, uh, but I say be merciful to people that have never, ever shown you a day of mercy in your life. That mother you can't stand. That father you can't stand. That that coworker you can't stand. That sibling that you can't stand. God said, "Blessed are the merciful." But the Jews that that, that was not in keeping with their way of thinking. They were proud, they were self-righteous, and they were judgmental. And I'm gonna tell you something tonight. The proud, the self-righteous, and the judgmental, mercy is not a characteristic of them. Maybe tonight why some of us in here have no mercy for anybody because we're proud, self-righteous, and judgmental. Is anybody hearing me tonight? And you can point out the falls everybody's got. You can put them on display and talk about them all day long without one bit of mercy. You've never given mercy, and it's probably because you're just like the religious Jews, but if you've ever experienced mercy, if you've ever needed mercy, if you've ever received mercy, it sure is easy to give it out when you've been such a big recipient of it. There may be some judgmentalism in all of us. There may be some self-righteousness in all of us. There may be some pride in all of us. But the longer I serve him, the better he gets, the worse I realize that I am. And the more I the more like him I want to be, and the less like me I want to be, and the more mercy he gives, the more mercy I ought to give. Listen, are the merciful... So this self-righteous, religious, Jewish crowd, if they gave mercy, number one, it would be because you gave it to me, I give it to you. That's not right. That's how most operate. Number two, if they gave any mercy, it would be because they expected to get something in return. Well, I'm gonna be merciful to you because if I am, you might be merciful to me or somebody looking might think I'm good at what I'm doing. And there's a whole lot of that goes on in an independent Baptist church too, and any religion for that matter. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Look at how merciful I am. These folks, that's how you end fights at your house. And you're not really over it. You just want to be the better Christian. And so you show how merciful you are. Help me right there now and it ain't real mercy, it is a put on, it is a show, uh, so you can be the, well somebody's gotta be the bigger Christian. If you preface what you're about to say with that, I tell you who it ain't, it ain't you. Well somebody around here's gotta be a Christian, I guess it'll be me, fine. (laughs) Y'all ain't laughing no more. I tell you who it ain't, it ain't me or you who prefaces what we say with that. That's not mercy, that's winning. That's self-righteous, that's I gotta be better. Even in Christianity, I gotta win. Even in being like Jesus, I gotta be better than you are. Oh, y'all, help me right there. I need you to know that I'm more righteous than you. (laughs) I need you to know that I'm a better Christian than you so I can lay down on the altar of surrender before you uh, so I can beat you. God, help our little, our little phony religious self sometimes. That's the religious Jews approach to mercy. Then there's the Romans. Uh, to the Romans, mercy was weakness. I read uh, behind a man who quoted a Roman philosopher today and one of the Roman philosophers said that uh, that, we, or that, uh, that uh, uh, mercy is the disease of the soul. For a man to be merciful makes him less than a man. For a Roman citizen, especially a leader, to show any kind of mercy to his child any kind of mercy to his spouse, any kind of mercy to his subjects was a sign of weakness And the philosopher from Rome said it is a disease of the soul. They were firm in their discipline. They were firm in their laws. They were firm in their practices. And you wasn't getting any mercy out of them. If judgment's what you were owed, judgment is what you were going to receive by the letter of the law because anything other than that was weak. I think I, think, I think I know some Romans too. <laughs> oh, it's quiet now. The religious Jews. Well, I'll be merciful to you If you'll be merciful to me, I'm gonna get something out of this though. I'm gonna win. The Romans. I ain't showing you a lick of mercy because I'm a man. I ain't gonna let down any and bring any aid or assistance to you because then I would be perceived as weak. That was their view. They said that they had the right, when a baby was born, that the man of the home had the right, they looked at that baby. and If that baby had any faults or defects or any such thing, that man would turn his thumb down, and they'd take the life of that baby immediately by drowning that baby. That man said, I have no mercy for that baby, and he'd put his thumb down, that baby would die. He had the right to do that with his slave. If there was any issue at any time, he wanted that slave to be taken his life. All he had to do was say the word and, and, and no mercy for that slave. That slave was dead at the voice of his command. He had that kind of power. He said that even his wife, that a Roman man, if he had an all against his wife, she'd done something he didn't like. He, he had the ability that she would be executed on the spot without any mercy, without any such Uh, consideration and no mercy at all. And so when Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, this is a crowd influenced by Rome uh, and mercy was a weakness. When Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, this is a Jewish religious crowd in it for themselves, self-righteous, proud, arrogant, and their mindset of mercy was that of little to no virtue at all. But I wanna say to you tonight, I don't know what mindset you had. I don't know what mindset you were under before Calvary. But every one of us that have been born again, my mindset on mercy is different than what it was. My view on mercy is not the same. You know why? Because I was the baby that lived. I was the slave that went free. I was the wife that got to live. I have known of the mercy of the Lord and to whom much is given. Much is required with anybody. Friday tonight, i like to praise God that you know what mercy looks like in your life. Hallelujah to God. Bless his name for the mercy I've received. So it is only normal to expect that if a man has been given mercy that he would in return give mercy to that one in need of mercy. When Jesus said blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy he's not describing what men will give them. If so, Jesus is the most merciful man that ever lived and he is but he never received mercy from man. He healed the sick, they crucified him. He gave sight to the blind, they crucified him. He stood between that woman caught in the act of adultery and that religious crowd that was gonna stone her and yet they crucified him. The lame walked and they crucified him. The poor received and they crucified him. The deaf could hear and they crucified him. Jesus gave more mercy than any man ever gave and yet at the hands of man, he never got mercy. But I'll tell you where mercy comes from tonight. If you're looking down here to get it, you might be disappointed, But I'm. I'm I'm glad there's a great big God in heaven and he's rich in mercy and if you'll be merciful, God has got mercy that he'll give you in your life. It's not a qualification of salvation either. God who is rich in mercy. I I wish that I could quote the verse. It's Romans chapter 11, I think verse number 32. I think, but it's Romans 11. He said, uh, And I'm paraphrasing, but he made us all guilty under the law that he could give us all mercy. He just went ahead and declared everybody bankrupt and guilty so he could go ahead and declare mercy for anybody who wants it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He didn't leave one unguilty. He said, all of you is guilty. All of you is bound by sin. All of you are under the effects of sin and its guilt and its weight and its shame. And he did that that he might show mercy upon all. Hallelujah to God. I was guilty, therefore I received mercy. I'm hurrying, I'm nearly done. I've got five or six verses I'll give you and I will be done. The definition, scriptural definition of mercy. The word mercy that's used here in the New Testament, it is uh, elemon, E-L-E-E-M-O-N. That's the Greek word. Of course, I don't understand Greek, so I just looked up its definition. And mercy means compassion in action. And I read that and I thought, I wonder if that's what it really means because that's what somebody said is the definition. So I compared that definition with Scripture. I I typed in on my Bible app the word mercy and I cross-referenced every time I seen the word mercy in the New Testament what was going on, what was being said. And it is compassion in action. It is seeing a need and doing something about it. I won't take the time tonight. It's a lot like grace, but a little different. I won't preach this tonight, but I'll say this much about it. Mercy says no hell for you. Grace says heaven for you. (laughs) It's a little different, but it's close. I'll show you those differences maybe Sunday. But but I want to give you some Bible verses that show that mercy is compassion in action. It's more than a feeling. Oh, I feel mercy for them. I feel compassion for them. It's more than that, but it's being able to do something about it. Matthew chapter 9. Let's just I'll give you these verses quick. You can write them down look at them later. or You can follow along with me. Matthew chapter 9 verse number 27. Y'all got seven or eight more minutes tonight? Y'all are doing good. I, uh, that's not a reflection on y'all. Y'all are doing good. I just want to make sure you stay with me. <clears throat> And when Jesus departed thence, Matthew 9, verse 27, two blind men followed him crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. What were they asking him to do? Come over here and talk to us, Lord. Absolutely not. The Bible said there was two blind men. What would two blind men want from the Lord? We want you to see our need and do something about it. And what did they call that? Mercy. Lord, Jesus, thou son of David, we got one thing we want to ask you. Will you have mercy on us? What they wanted Jesus to do, would you see me in my need and be moved by your compassion to take action? and Do something. Mercy is compassion in action. You say, well, that don't mean nothing to me. I tell you, it does. Jesus had mercy and he put compassion to work on the cross of Calvary. God had mercy, saw your need, sent his son to do something about the need you had. I'm glad God had more than an upset feeling over the situation I was in, but he was moved with compassion. To do something about it. And if you're sitting here tonight lost, I want you to know God was moved with compassion to save you. He's moved to action and He's wanting to. And if you're sitting here tonight, you're saved. But God, a lamentation said His mercies are new every morning. You got up this morning and God was moved with compassion to action to work in your life. If you got a need, if you got a need, God's got mercy. He's moved into action to do something for what. What's going on in your life? Mercy is compassion in action. Look in Matthew chapter 15, verse number 22, Matthew 15. There's several verses with mercy in it. These are just some of the highlights. Matthew 15, verse number 22. Verse 22, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. She said, I got a daughter. She's demon possessed, vexed with the devil. It's wrecked my life and hers. We're broken about it. I need you to do something. What did she want him to do? Have mercy on me. Oh, y'all ain't helping me. I need you to move with action to do something on my behalf. Compassion with action. Matthew 17, verse number 15, just a couple chapters over. Y'all seeing this? Matthew 17, verse 15. I I may run a lap around here before it's all said and done. This mercy business is helping me. Verse 15, Matthew 17. Lord, have mercy on my son for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, for times he falleth into the fire and off into the water. This daddy came and said, Lord, my boy, he's, he's, he's possessed, he's messed up, his mind is shot, he's controlled by devils, he's, he's in the fire, he's in the water, I've done all that I know to do, I need you to do one thing for me, I need you to have mercy on me, I need you to have compassion that is moving in action towards me. I don't need you to feel sorry for me. That's not mercy. I don't need you to walk away and say, boy, I feel so bad for him. I need you to do something about it. Listen, they ain't stuff I can't do something about everything. There are some things I can do something about, but I'm glad there's one. There's never been an issue he can't do something about. He can do something about your marriage. He can do something about your child. He can do something about your money. He can do something about your family. He can do something about your job. He can do something about your addiction. He can do something about your sin. He can do something about your life. He can move in his compassion toward action in your life. Mercy Luke chapter ten you're familiar with the text the story of the Good Samaritan Luke chapter number ten we're nearly done with these verses Luke ten verse number thirty seven all that's taken place is done. Jesus is talking to this lawyer he said now in verse thirty seven Verse 36, Jesus says to the lawyer, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? It wasn't the Levite and the priest; They come by and felt bad about it and went on by. Didn't do anything. He said, Who was his neighbor, Mr. Lawyer? And the lawyer said in verse 37, And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Who was the neighbor? It wasn't the Levite, it wasn't the priest. They walked around him and left him in his puddle of blood to die. But this good Samaritan showed mercy. He had compassion, that moved him into action. That's mercy. That's the Bible definition. Luke 16, verse 24. Two more verses and we're done. Luke 16, verse 24. The rich man lifted up his eyes in hell being in torment the Bible said and he cried and said Father Abraham have mercy on me. He's in hell and he said, I need one thing. I need mercy. I need God to see me. I need Abraham. I need somebody to see me. And move with compassion. The only problem is it's too late. If you die and leave this world outside of the mercy of God, it's hell and it's hell for eternity. If you're gonna get mercy, it'll be down here. If you're gonna get mercy, it'll be this side of eternity. If you're gonna receive mercy, it'll be right now while mercy is being distributed. Run to God for mercy. I need God you to move it. And action and compassion in my direction there's no mercy in hell, Philippians, one more verse, Philippians, and I'm turning while you're turning, so it' take me a minute to get there as well. I couldn't mark all of these I didn't have enough markers. Philippians chapter number two, I'm pretty sure it's still in my Bible it may have it may have jumped out if you get it before I do, just give me your Bible and uh Philippians chapter chapter number two. Y'all are having as hard a time as I am. I got this Schuyler Bible. I love it. It's beautiful, but turning the pages in this thing is nearly impossible in a hurry. Philippians chapter two, verse 25. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Ephroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger... And he that ministered to my wants for he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that you had heard that he had been sick for indeed he was sick nine to death so it looked like Aphroditus was going to die Aphroditus was going to die nigh to death what happened but God had mercy on him not on him only but on me also lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow he said he is about to die God saw him and with compassion he moved towards him and he's still with us by the mercy of God now I'm done preaching tonight with this blessed are the merciful I gave you a scriptural definition of what Jesus said you want to live in the blessedness of God be merciful what does that mean? for me and I'll show you more of this next week but I'll leave you with this Jesus did not see me and feel bad but he felt compassion that moved him to action he went to the cross he paid my debt he took my sin and he bore them in his own body on the cross he saw the need and he met the need he saw the problem and he fulfilled it on the cross and he said that is what I want you to do. You say I can't die for nobody. No but you can live your life being merciful. You can see people in a mess and you can help them. You can see someone lonely and you can be their friend. You can see someone in need of encouragement and you can be an encouraging word. You can see someone bankrupt and you can buy them a loaf of bread. You can see someone in trouble and you can throw out the lifeline. You can see Someone on their way to hell, and you can take my time out of your day and say, Let me tell you about a man who can save you from your sin. I tell you, one of the greatest mercies men you ever do is tell some poor lost sinner, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Mercy. He said, That's what I want you to do. I think tonight we ought to get on this altar and say, God, show me how to be merciful. <laughs> and a good way to start is look at how merciful God's been to you. He's taken care of you financially. He's taken care of you physically. He's been a friend that's sicker closer than a brother. He's come to you when you were all alone. No one could help. And he's spent time with you. He's answered your prayer. You say, preacher, I'm not God. No, but I can be a friend. I can be a brother. I can be a witness. I can be a help. I can be a giver. By doing so, I can be merciful, compassion in action. Lord, thank you tonight. You've helped us, how tremendous. Lord, blessed are the merciful, and from that, all of this great truth. You're so good to us, I bless your name. Lord, you've been so merciful to me. Help me show that mercy to others. Help me be merciful. Help me put into action compassion. It makes a difference in lives. Lord, we love you tonight. We bless your name. In Christ's name, amen.